Hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, and minus Justin Babb for the start of this episode. He might hop in a little later on, but this is the NBA Outsiders. Like we said, Pete, Frank, and Duff in the house. Thank you guys for tuning in. Frank, the Knicks got a win last night, my man. How are we feeling? Uh, it was nice to pick up a win. Uh, it's nice to get Porzingis back tonight. Um, we've been missing him for sure. Um Michael Beasley's been doing some nice stuff. You know, it's actually kind of cool to see. Also sucks that Timmy Hardaway's out. Um, but, you know, we, we've been talking a lot of Knicks lately. Um, so, you know, you know how we'd be doing on the Knicks. That's right, man. I got to tell you a little stat real quick. Uh, there's a couple teams in the league right now who have won every game that they've been favored in from Vegas, and that includes the New York Knicks. I mean, they haven't been favored too much. But at home, when they're favorite, they've been getting the job done. It's actually them, the Pacers, and this one's kind of a joke, but the Bulls, who've only been favorite twice. But at least they got two of their three wins when they were favorite, right? Uh, but the, the Knicks have been winning when they're favorite. The Pacers won again. They were favorite. Uh, so good stuff for the Knicks to get back on track, back to 500. And now Duff, my man, your teams have been playing well too, right? Uh, Celtics are still on top of the East. That's all I care about. And the Sixers are going to make the playoffs. And people, that was remember that was a question like, will the Sixers make the playoffs this year? And it looks like a resounding yes at this point. For real, I mean, what we're going to talk about in a moment is a little breakdown from the Washington Post. They did a MVP aggregate from over a hundred different NBA writers, and two Philadelphia 76ers made that list. I'm sure you can guess who they are: Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Those two have been spectacular, and I think it's fair to say the Sixers role players, man, they show up night to night too, right? Rocco is the best 3 and D guy in the league. We've been saying it for years now. Whoa. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> no one listens to us in Philly. I'm going to say I'm from Philly for this one because Bab's not here. I've got to go extra Philly. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I mean, you did uh, claim them as your own, so you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, but again, this is the NBA Outsiders. It's a sports blog, New York podcast. If you don't already subscribe, do yourself a favor and click subscribe to this podcast so you can get a notification when we have new episodes, new content coming out. We have episodes every week. I believe this is actually our 11th episode. So the NBA Outsiders, man, we're, we hit double digits. We're trying to hit triple digits in our followers on Twitter. I mean, we started slow. We're a new account. So don't be afraid to hop on the train early and follow the NBA Outsiders. It's at NBA underscore Outsiders on Twitter. Hit us up. And when you subscribe to this podcast, if you feel so kind, drop in a little rating and review. Hit a couple stars and leave some thoughts on why you like the show, what you think about the Duff vs. Frank battles that go on here, and what we talk about about the NBA. Always don't forget to shout out the NBA Outsiders. So I mentioned we're going to talk about this MVP thing, but also we're going to get to uh, some things about the top of the Western Conference. Kawhi Leonard's on his way back. The Cleveland Cavaliers are on a ridiculous streak. Also, we're going to play our favorite game. Whose team is this? The Detroit Pistons edition. Because the Detroit Pistons are proving that they compete night in and night out in this NBA. And we have to figure out who the hell's teams is this. So we're going to play that as well later. And probably some other Eastern Conference topics too. But first, let's get to this little MVP thing. So Duff, I know you have some thoughts about how it's too early, and we talked about this on a recent episode, how it's too soon to talk about MVP. 
But nonetheless, it's one of the driving conversations in the world of the NBA right now. So, Duff, what, what are your thoughts about this Washington, Washington Post aggregate and the whole MVP discussion? Yeah, I just want to go on record again saying it's too early. Um, but since it's here, you made a good point before. No, we haven't seen the NBA covered this much in its history. So I guess this is the new normal. It's what we got to get used to. Frank said they set a precedent last year, and that's, I guess, what it's going to be now. Uh, but they had James Harden at number one, LeBron James number two, Kyrie Irving number three, Giannis number four, and Steph Curry number five. And I don't disagree with any of that top five, and I definitely don't disagree with the top two. I think Harden has definitely been the MVP this year. I think he's leading the league in points and assists. He's not quite averaging a double-double, but it's close. It's like 9.7 assists. I, he's definitely my MVP right now, top of the toughest conference in the league and the Rockets have been looking great and I think something that definitely helps out James Harden here is that he did a little bit of this great Rockets start without Chris Paul the guy who they traded you know three key role role players for I mean Patrick Beverly gone Lou Williams left uh I think I'm forgetting another name here somewhere Sam Decker Sam Decker yeah well uh, we we can call him (laughs) we could call him a role player (laughs) but yeah we'll see if James Harden's doing this without Chris Paul and then Chris Paul comes back, and people are worried. Are they going to be a good fit? Are they going to continue the success? And what have they done? They've been even better, and they're on a great streak with Chris Paul back. I mean, James Harden is doing everything on offense, and he seems to care about defense a little bit this year. And I think just saying he cares a little bit is a good step in the right direction. The thing I was pumped up about, and this sounds like a, a small victory, but I guess you got to take the small victories. LeBron James getting the MVP respect a little bit. He's number two. I think that's fair. James Harden has been ridiculous. But if LeBron James wasn't two, we got problems. Right, Frank, or no? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, More to the James Harden part, too. I mean, like, I'm not even going to lie. And I was saying I was, like, skeptical about Chris Paul coming back. I thought he kind of needed the time on the bench to kind of see how this team worked. And I don't know if that's what it was. But, like, he's come back and this team is firing on all cylinders. Uh, James Harden to me just feels like a guy who can go out there with like four random dudes and the offense is still potent somehow because he just makes everybody so comfortable and gives them, you know, the ball in spots where they could be successful. And it's like really fun to watch. He's a fun player to watch. And uh, LeBron James is a generational player, probably the best one of our generation, in my opinion. And when he puts up one of his best statistical seasons, he's got to be in the MVP talk or you're right. Like there's going to be problems. Like you'll see these hands or something. I don't even know. Yeah, I, I'm picturing the uh, chance, the rapper song, like you ain't want no problems. Got no problems. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be LeBron James. If he gets no respect in the MVP race again, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's coming like fourth for a couple of years in a row. And that's just funny. I mean, but that's what happens, right? We get fatigued with getting these same guys on the same awards. It happens across all the sports. I mean, no one wants to give Tom Brady the MVP every year in football. No one wants to see the Patriots win the championship every year. It's the same concept with the Warriors and the, and the Cavs and LeBron James on MVP. Um, but I think this list gets actually more interesting as we scroll down it. So first off, Kyrie Irving's number three. So I am not going to complain about that right now. My man has been outrageous. Just last night, um, the Celtics were playing. Why am I drawing a blank here? The uh, 
No one's going to help me out. Oh, the Dallas Mavericks. There we oh, go. Uh-oh. The Celtics play the Dallas Mavericks, and late in the fourth quarter, Kyrie just decided in a t- almost a tie game. I think they had a two-point lead. He was just going to go off, and he scored seven straight points, ridiculous handles, what he does under the hoop. I mean, it's fair to have one of the, the, the best player on easily a top three team in the league at number three in the MVP. Giannis Steph makes sense, and then you fall down to Kevin Durant, and this is one you have to kind of, like, even if you're not a fan of his, you got to respect it. And LaMarcus Aldridge is number seven in this ranking. I think he deserves this. I think it's a great shout-out for him. Without Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs are ridiculous. He's having a great statistical year, and he's the cog on the number three team in the Western Conference that we all know has, like, tons of talent. So shout-out LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, yeah, man, it's super impressive. Um, I've watched a few Spurs games, and the telecast always talks about how in the offseason, I know I thought he was leaving because things kind of ended weird in the playoffs and seemed weird, and he seemed really unhappy. I definitely but, saw a trade coming. Yeah, and uh, I guess he sat down with Pop, and they talked it out, and Pop kind of realized that he was a little bit in the wrong, maybe not utilizing LaMarcus in the right way and to his full potential. And I guess he switched it up a little bit and we're seeing like shades of uh, LaMarcus in Portland, but he seems to be, you know, maybe even better. Who knows? That team's going to be scary when Ka- Kawhi comes back though. I'll tell yeah, you. We, we were talking about this earlier. It's kind of weird. They're, the Spurs are third in the West still. Like no, no one would have expected that without Kawhi, but even when he comes back, like they're not going to move their seating at all. Like that, that's how top heavy the West is kind of weird, but um, I feel like they don't even want to like, they, they don't care. They benched everybody against the Oklahoma city thunder at Oklahoma city and still almost won the game. Yeah. yeah. They didn't play a bunch of guys in the second half and a bunch of the older guys just had DMPs. So I feel like they're just going to cruise it out. You know, get get a home seed for the first round at least, and then just do what they always do. Yeah. Towards the end of this list, I feel like that's where it kind of gets preposterous. You got DeMarcus Cousins last, 17th. One, he got one fifth-place vote on the entire ballot. The dude just went for 40 and 22. Like, I, I, I saw this stat earlier in the season. I don't know if it's true, but he was averaging, like, more points than Durant, more assists than like Kyrie more rebounds than LeBron. Like it, it was weird. Yeah. And, and he just gets like no respect for it. It's it, I just think the media hates him still. It's just preposterous. Well, you know what also might happen here is that though DeMarcus cousins is doing his thing and he's getting buckets and he's, he's boogieing around Anthony Davis up until last week, who, who knows when Tim Bontemps, the guy from Washington post started aggregating this, this result Anthony Davis was still healthy, so maybe they were giving the credit of the team success to Anthony Davis, though Boogie was doing that. But I have yeah, to, and I, I got to say something about Anthony Davis. I got to get this off my chest. This dude has missed so many games, and I feel like all his injuries have been a little different. It's like it, it just something is always coming with this guy. At, at a certain point, like the this cliche is the best ability is availability, and. At a certain point, like it's a cliche for a reason. I don't see him out on the court, and it doesn't look like Boogie has missed a step. And in a lot of these games, I feel like Boogie has been the better player. So, I mean, I know Anthony Davis is the guy there, and that's his team, but, but I, I don't know. I feel I, like I, it, I it, people just don't like DeMarcus Cousins because he's edgy and he's got an attitude, and he almost got in a fight with Kevin Durant. <laughs> 
That was that was gold. That was funny because everybody knew, like before that even happened, nothing was going down. There was no th- punches being thrown. There was nothing that was going to happen there ever. They must have been talking so much shit, and then they they broke him up. And I was watching it live when it happened. Demarcus Cousins like walked off. He was off frame on the TV, and then Kevin Durant was still yelling at him, and he came back in the frame. I was like, in my in that split second, I was like, oh my god, it's over for Durant. He just died. He just killed himself by talking shit. Like I thought he was just going to go flying at him, and to come back during like the press conference or whatever when Durant was just talking to reporters in the hallway. Biggie walks by, stops, or Boogie walks by, stops, and just starts staring at him, and then laughs and walk away. He was just shaking his head. He's like, "This kid ain't doing nothing." You know, it's funny. They were teammates, USA Basketball, right? They were teammates. What the hell? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that too, but I don't think that matters much. Like that was so, that that was like a long time ago, and those dudes definitely never talked before that. What was that? 2016? Doesn't 2016 feel like a whole lot of years ago? It's like one year ago. Yeah, think, but like, they, they, would they spend like three months together and that was it? Anyone could be friends for three months, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're just dominating the world, literally. I would have to guess that if this vote was redone, like today, I think Boogie and Davis would flop, right? Davis is eighth with like seven different votes or eight different votes. Boogie, only yeah, I would have to flip them because I don't think. I don't think Embiid is behind Davis at this point. Like Embiid's played more games for all the health issues he's had. He just doesn't play back-to-backs. That's pretty much it at this point. Which isn't even his choice. And speaking of Embiid, right. he's actually next in that list. Uh, best available, best abilities, availability. He's been there. And what does he Finally say? available. He's, he says, I'm the best big man in the game. I do it on both ends. He said it himself. He deserves that, right? Does he deserve to be the ninth-ranked player in this MVP vote, this quarter-season MVP vote? Frank, what do you think? I'd say early on, definitely. He's been killing it, man. He he does it from everywhere offensively. He can shoot it a little bit. He's an elite post-offensive player. He can dunk. He can rim run. He can play the pick and roll. He offensive rebounds like a beast when he wants to. Um, and he's just a big body down low, and he knows, he knows how to come play help defense. So he gets a lot of blocks, and he is a good defender. Uh, I think it's hard. You're hard-pressed to find a more well-rounded center. But I'd say for sure he's best in the East. I'll give him that. Yeah, that is for sure. Uh, And you know what else that he's done? And he's basically called people out for it. Somebody else we're going to get to later on, and maybe in this list as well as in the show when we play Whose Teams Is This, Embiid literally said he's going to get Drummond to foul out. Like He's not going to be able to guard him. And Drummond fouled out. He got the crowd going. Sixers win. It was hype. He waved him off the court, pointing to the exits. That was hilarious. I don't think... He he is probably the best big man in the NBA if you don't count LeBron James as like a big man, which I pretty much don't. So he's the best big man in the East. And then he's not the best big man in the West yet. Like I'd still put Cousins ahead of him and LaMarcus because of the season he's been having. And But I love that he thinks that way. I love that he thinks he's the best because that's what you want. Like it's the same thing. So, well, not the same thing, but it's similar to when, you know, everyone's like, is Eli elite or is he trash? Like 10 years ago when he won his first Super Bowl and he said he's elite. And the whole thing, like you can't spell Eli without elite started popping up. But it's like, that's how you want your best player to think. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, just like Deion Waiters, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, just Waiters I've been sipping that Kool-Aid for a little while now. He's won him a few games now lately. He's been balling. 
Dude, you check his clutch numbers. They're like the best in the league. Yeah, it's crazy. But real quick side note on Joel Embiid. This really isn't even basketball related. But like, I, I don't know why, but every time I hear that dude speak, I just feel like there's a giant speaking to me. I know there literally is, but I feel like if you put like <laughs> blinders on my eyes and you put them on the other side of a curtain and that dude talk, I'd be like, oh my God, that dude's giant. It's just so entertaining when he talks to me. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it's so great. Well, this is the NBA Outsiders. So, Frank, you got to remember, we're, we're one part NBA. We're one part outsider. So, if you want to bring something up from the outside world, man, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we do. That's what I'm saying. It's like with the Kembe Matumbo. Like, when you hear him speak, you're like, yeah, that makes sense that he sounds like that. <laughs> the Cookie Monster? <laughs> When he's blocking cereal boxes in the aisle and stuff, that's a great commercial. That is fantastic. But let's run through the rest of this list here. So uh, real quick, I don't know if there's anything else to note. I got one thing, only one thing. We got Al Horford, Przingis, Westbrook, Lillard. They, they all seem like they deserve a little love on the fourth, fifth place spot. Then one that I, uh, I, I'm, I don't know how to feel about it. I think it's good, but I don't know. But Andre Drummond received one fourth place vote for the MVP race. Is that outrageous, or like, does that make sense? I don't know where I'm at here. Uh, I feel like Bradley Beals is more outrageous. He's the second best player in his own team. That's in the eighth seed in the East. The best, and, the best, of, and they're uh, really suffering team. without their best player. So it's not like he's showing he can step up and do it. Well, no, I think he just popped off, but for like. 40 or something i don't know i might dude they scored like, like they scored 69 points against the jazz that was really bad no so yeah. bradley beal scored 51 points in his most recent 51 game, but that was that combined was more points than his previous four games so he had oh, a wow. rough patch right. yeah so even more so why is he on this list yeah, yeah. and i would say drummond kind of makes sense because there's just something about big men and when you could have like a streak of dominance as a big man in the NBA, people kind of just love it. And it's almost like an unstoppable kind of thing, kind of like when Dwight was down in the mat, like in Orlando. Like, there was some stuff he was doing that you literally just couldn't stop. So I could see why Drummond would get a little bit of love in this, especially because his free throw shooting's upticked. And the, yeah, they're rewarding him for that. <laughs> and you, yeah, you, you don't have to put him on the bench late in the game. I mean, that's huge. You said the best avail- ability is availability. He's now available at the end of games. Yeah, that's right. and that's the thing. They we said about him and DeAndre Jordan. Like you just can't play those. And Dwight Howard, you can't play those guys late in games because they only make free throws. And now that's not really an issue anymore. And that's like people pe- people are talking about DeAndre Jordan getting traded to the Bucks or the Cavs. It's like what what use is this guy, guy going to be? to those teams late in games. Like, even on the Cavs, he, DeAndre Jordan was on this Clippers team just getting dominated by the Warriors in the West. DeAndre, years. And he DeAndre, was not on court for those. What DeAndre would do for the Cavs is he would make them an elite defensive team. That's pretty much what he would do for anybody. He would lock down the interior defense, and he would make your pick-and-roll game stronger than what it is. But, like... It's marginal. If teams go small, three. like if the teams go small, like the Warriors, you just pull him away from the basket because he's got to guard like Kevin Durant or Iguodala or Draymond. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying it's like a marginal thing anyway, but that's what he brings. Yeah, it'll definitely help him win more games. I'm just thinking long term mm-hmm. in important playoff situations. I mean, you- I think there are some teams I think that could really benefit from it. Specifically, in my mind, it's the Bucks. 
And I know we were tossing around some some ideas in the chat earlier this week, but they're really weak inside. John Henson is like a pencil, and he's been in the NBA for a while now. He's put on no weight. It's crazy. No, it's not even about weight at this point. Like, you could be a skinny dude, and you could be strong, and you could be a bad man, but he's just none of the above. He just has no strength and can't hold down interior defense, and Jonas is too busy, you know, in passing. Yeah, doing literally everything else. Yeah, and, you know, trying to turn the ball over instead of just trying to protect the rim. So I think a guy like DeAndre there would fit really well, especially because they got a guy like Eric Bledsoe who's super fast and, you know, runs the fast break real well and actually yeah. played with DeAndre for a little bit. But um, like we said, it's kind of marginal at best. They play like a, a fun, not a, always effective, but a really fun style of defense where they're just like, jumping passing lanes and being really risky and they kind of just like come out and they blitz you like and you don't expect it to come and then who if they get by you you know who's there john henson that would be a lot better if it was deandre jordan just to anchor it exactly i think the one thing that's absolutely fair to say is that he's a step up from tristan thompson i mean but then you look at oh god yeah like you said long term what is he doing for you late in games in the playoffs? And then what is he doing for you and your cap space and your flexibility and your possibly post-LeBron Cleveland Cavaliers? Like, he's doing nothing. I mean, I don't think LeBron's going to leave right now, but God forbid, now you're paying DeAndre Jordan like a freaking max player and he can't even hit a turnaround hook shot. Like, yeah, yeah. You, would have to, you would have to give up the Brooklyn pick to get him if you're the Cavs and you're just basically going all in and punting on your rebuild. For if LeBron leaves, and I just don't think Jordan's worth that because a he's got a player option after this year, so he could either just walk or you like worst case scenario, you pick him up for another year, and he's at like twenty four mil. Yeah, yeah, but the other thing I think like I'm gonna throw some love towards DeAndre Jordan. Like the thing about him is he would make the starting five much better and. Say he doesn't play the final four minutes of every game, but still plays 30 minutes a game. He's still a net positive player and at his best is one of the best defenders in the league. And, you know, they got a couple of guys there who can move the ball and they are a pick and roll kind of team. So he would kill him at the alley-oop game with LeBron James. So. But he, he, it's not just about the last four minutes. Like, a, if you're talking about the Cavs in the finals against the Warriors, the Warriors could just go small, like, so early. They could just start the game small, just not even start Pachulia, because then it just renders... Yeah, but he, I feel like he would negate Kevin Durant as a shot blocker as well on the defensive end, and Kevin Durant has the second most blocks in the league right now. Just, like, from a pure strength perspective, he wouldn't be able to get around DeAndre Jordan. Shut up! Like they would... You, you know up. what I mean? Yeah. Shut up. That's enough. That's enough of that. We're having a hypothetical <laughs> conversation about a trade that's not even like a real thing. <laughs> but I, it it feels like it's coming. It feels like the Clippers tank is coming. If it's not, I mean, it's basically here already without the like whether they want it to be or not. But yeah. Now also, I just have the new soundboard. I'm just trying to use it when I can, man. To be honest, I respect that. <laughs> but this is the NBA. Yeah, no, Outsiders. I'm with it. I'm with it, 100. percent This is Shut the up. NBA Outsiders podcast. Just Frank Duff and Pete with you today, Bab. He uh, maybe will be joining us later. We shall see if he gives us a ring or not. But that's some good stuff on the too soon MVP discussion, the quarter season MVP, if you will. But I want to talk about something else, and we mentioned it before. I want to talk about the top three teams in the West because we said the West has all this talent. Everyone says it's the by far better conference, yet we kind of think it's top-heavy. 
So we think the Spurs, who are third, look like they have a stranglehold on the number three spot. Then the Warriors and Rockets are just a leap ahead of everybody else. So I have a little stat here for the Spurs, and I think it worked out absolutely perfect for the Spurs. So they're 16-8, and eight, but they are just 3-6 and six against teams above 500. But they are just obliterating the teams they're supposed to beat against teams below 500 they're 13 and 2 so this is a little factor of lucky scheduling where they've had a rather easy schedule here for the first quarter of the season and now Kawhi Leonard comes back to take on uh just based off statistics a harder schedule that's going to be coming in the future do you think at all there's a little uh outsider theory for you guys Greg Popovich looked at Kawhi's health said maybe we can rush him back a little earlier but we have a cakewalk of a schedule, and we're going to be 10 games above 500 with our eyes closed. Let's, let's, wait, let's take our time, make sure Kawhi's healthy. He'll come back around Christmas, and we dominate for the rest of the year and get that home court advantage for the first round. Outsider theory or crazy theory? Nah, I'm actually I'm in on that. For sure. He had that weird uh, – we didn't even know like what was wrong with him. There was like leg injury. Yeah, you know what was wrong with him? They installed a new program, and it still had some bugs. <laughs> so they had to hire some new guys to work out the bugs. And now they're just waiting to unleash this new program robot on the NBA. <laughs> That's what it was. I think this is a, a top-notch outsider's theory right here. Like, come on. right? This is perfect. There's a real high chance that this is a real thing. I feel like no, I feel this. No, 100%. It was, it was, like, weird to begin with. It was, like... We couldn't get like a straight answer of like what it was. They were just like it's a leg injury. It's like it's like hockey. It's like lower body injury. It's like okay, what does that mean? Is there a timetable? It's like nah, nah. Yeah, that that was to me that was like the most pop thing about it. Like you know, is there a timetable? Nah, he could be back in two weeks or two months. We really don't know. And it's like they were like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, we really don't know. Why bother? You know they're going to make the playoffs. You know they're going to get home court if they want it, like when, when Kawhi comes back. he it, It's like the same thing with Steph, who just rolled his ankle. He sprained it. And I'm not concerned about it yet, and the Warriors shouldn't be either. They're just going to hold him out until he's as close to 100% as possible because they're still going to be – they're not going to drop from the two seed in the, in the West in that time. I mean – I'm concerned about it just because he's had big time ankle problems in the past. I agree. If it comes, if if it have, if he tweaks it again, then I'm worried. But and until then, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because it's been years since. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I've had ankle injuries my whole life too, and I just know how much it sucks to just have like a bad ankle. And like when I watched that roll, I was just like, ooh, you know, I just felt it in my bones, and uh, it sucks. That one's going to take a while to get back from, but, I mean, I'm not worried about them. I think Kevin Durant's more important to that team anyway, even though, I mean, it's like marginal anyway. They're pretty much equally important, but that's besides the point. They'll be fine. Um, But, you know, talking about the top of the West, like, I've been super impressed by the Rockets, and I probably shouldn't be because it's a lot of guys from last year who are just continuing to do what they did last year and maybe, you know, a little bit elevated, but guys like Eric Gordon just playing out of his mind. Um, Ryan Anderson every night or every other night just has like a quiet 20 points and hits five threes. Like they just fit so well together. And that Mike D'Antoni offense just looks so good. Um, 
it's like intoxicating to watch, man. It really is. It's fun to watch. Clint Capella is not talked enough about. I know it's because he plays along such a a great point guard or two great point guards, but man, can that guy play? He's a great rim protector and a great rim runner um, and a decent rebounder for a pretty skinny guy. Um, But the Rockets are fun to watch, man, and I think they might have the lockdown on that one seed. I think they might just run away with it. I think I saw some weird stat the other day that Clint Capella is like the most efficient player in the NBA right now. I mean, he shoots like a r- ridiculous percentage. He takes dunks. Like he yeah, dunks if, and like, is, he like his plus shots. minus. Is if outrageous. you look at all of his stats, like his, his average shot is like within inches of the basket because like 90% of what he does is alley-oops and dunks. So his efficiency stats are kind of skewed in that aspect, but man, I mean, he's he like a skinnier DeAndre Jordan. Right. He just does everything right. He really does. And another thing about the Rockets, I think, is uh, it was easy to just not care about in the beginning of the year because Chris Paul just wasn't playing, right? But now you think about it, and Chris Paul's starting to get into the swing of things. He's now played, you know, four straight games of 30 minutes, and then prior to that he had, like, 20-plus, 24, 28. So he's back in the swing, right? And it, since he's been back, it's been uh, five ga- uh, seven or eight games, I forget, but he has four double-digit assist games. So we said before, James Harden leads the league in assists. He leads the league in scoring. And they have this other guy who can allow James Harden to sit and breathe. And this other guy can also get double-digit assists any night and 20 points any night. And he also helps out rebounding. The, this Houston Rockets team could, this might be a little crazy, but they could have the number one and two assist guy in the league this season. Like, that's possible. That's insane. That would be pretty nuts, actually. Like, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Daryl Morley, he loves, he, he's all about efficiency, high variance. Like, that's why they shoot 52% of their shots are threes. The next closest, 39. Shout out Bab, who uh, sent that stat uh, into the, to the group text today. But Shout out. Shout out. They love assists too they want to move the ball and then whenever you have an open shot just let it rip and i could hunt this is like what, what did the clippers never had they never had shooters and chris paul has drawn all this attention but then like who's he kicking out to to take the shot like they had jj yeah like they had jj but that's it now he's working with uh james harden uh eric gordon and ryan anderson just to name trevor a few Reza. trevor Reza. trevor Reza. like i was i mean i'm definitely gonna Call, call my hand up on this one. I thought they would probably be worse with Chris Paul just because I'm a Chris Paul hater. Just full disclosure. Uh, but it's, it seems like it's definitely working out. And this makes a lot of sense with what the knock-on with the Clippers. They needed a small forward who could shoot 3 and D, and now he's surrounded by 3 and D guys. And, yo, know, Ryan Anderson, my man has, like, the platinum limitless range badge. I mean – you think a limitless <laughs> range in the league, you think a Steph and a little clay action, you know, Dame chucks up some deep ones. Even even Porzingis chucks deep ones nowadays. He almost looks more comfortable on the deep ones. Ryan Anderson, man, he pulls from everywhere. It's sick. If, like, Duff, honestly, and not to, like, hype you up and, and gas you up here, but when we used to run the rec center back in school, bro, when you were, when you were feeling it, like, you were Ryan Anderson at Jace, bro. You're just pulling threes, like, all day long. You hit one, it's over. I absolutely take that as a compliment. I yeah. love Ryan Anderson. Even when he, dude, I love Ryan Anderson when he was on the Magic. I because I always loved that <laughs> the tall white dude who's just gonna stand there and shoot because that was me. 
at least you Dude, I, I honestly feel like James Harden went to Ryan Anderson and just like, he's like, yo, literally every time I pass you the ball, pull that trigger, bro. Like, and I'm not even kidding. It really looks like that because he'll pass the ball and there'll be a guy right up in his shirt and he'll just hit like a fader three. And Dude, as long as you're open, there's no such there. thing as a bad three. I'll just be sitting there with, like, my jaw down. Like, like, Ryan Anderson just did that? Like, what? Dude, he pulls from everywhere. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's he, amazing. He even hits that sauce with the little uh, little pump fake dribbles to the side. Bang. Yeah, like, dude. I love it. That. He, they, he, they that have extra three feet of space. That. Even if he goes deep, like, when he goes deeper like that, that extra three feet of space so that, that you just get some type of separation, just having an open shot, even if it's further away, is... Sometimes a lot better. Absolutely. So before we move on from this discussion here, because I think it's interesting just kind of thinking about the real contenders in the West, because it's so easy to just be like, oh, well, the Warriors are going to walk, right? But we're at the point where there's so much to the season left. There are now injuries falling all across the NBA, right? So you never know who will be down at the end of the year. So you need to take all these teams serious, like whether you're the Warriors, the Cavs, the Rockets, whoever. So let's do a little juxtaposition here. Rank, I'll just do a little quick power ranking right now for the next, say, like the next month or so. Say we check back in uh, at the end of January. Do a power ranking for the next month or so between these three teams and how they match up. Now assume Kawhi comes back this week or next week and, and just see how you think those teams match up against each other. Frank, you start off. All right. So we talked a little bit earlier before the pod. Uh, I said I think Kawhi is one of the best three players in the NBA. I'm going to stick with that. So I'm going to put the Spurs first. I think Kawhi coming back is going to be a huge spark plug for them. Um, getting an MVP caliber player back is huge. And uh, that team is scary as it is. They just win. So I think they're going to win a lot more. Uh, two, I got the Rockets. I don't see them really doing much different than they're doing right now. James Harden is going to keep doing his thing. And they're going to keep winning ball games. And... I'm not worried about the Warriors, but I definitely think they will feel the absence of Steph Curry. I mean, they're starting Quinn Cook, I believe, over him. So, or Quinn Cook in place of him. Um, you know, I think it might come to to a few terms, a few games where maybe someone's having an off shooting night, whether it be Clay or Durant, and they need somebody to come help them out, and they might not have it. So, I'll put them third. Wow, third. You're dropping them down to third. Well, we're talking for a month. We're talking for the next month here because, you know what, I, I, uh, I qualify. We're only it. talking about the next month's game? I'm just saying, like, say we – no, so just say we checked in on this exact discussion at the end of January, right? So it's, okay. like, early December now. I'm just saying for the next, like, two months or so, unsure of uh, the Steph Curry status, Kawhi comes back. Like, what do you expect out of these three teams – because they're going to be the three teams taken the most serious in the West. I just kind of want to see, and also kind of how you think they match up against each other. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's how they're going to end up in seeding at the end of two months, but I think that's how the performance over the course of that month will pan out. I think it's going to be close, though, regardless. I think how they match up against each other, I would, I would give, I mean... I got to give it to the Warriors. I don't think there's another answer. I just, when they're all playing against each other, I just, that's how I see it. The Warriors beat Spurs in the playoffs last year, but that was without Kawhi. Yeah, Zaza Pachuli, dirty motherfucker. Yeah, the world, the world, yeah, they, 
the Spurs probably probably win that game, but it would have been it would have been close. Still, I think like I, I people saying that like oh because Kawhi went out they had that game in the bag. That's not true. The Warriors were going to explode at some point. You just knew. Um, yeah, but it would have been close. Like literally, it went from plus twenty three to like minus seventeen within like ten minutes after. That's he- what I'm saying. It would have been close. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I got to give it to the Warriors. Like, they just had so much success, and I really feel like when they lock in, like, they, they've been kind of weird this season. Like, Durant gets tossed, and then he almost gets to fight with Boogie, and then Dude, Sean Livingston gets ejected. Sean Livingston gets ejected. That was weird. Uh, Sean Livingston they, went, like, they, face-to-face with the referee. It was crazy. Yeah, they're kind of just going – not through the motions, but like almost going through the motions this season. But I think that they just don't care when they get to the playoffs. They're just going to lock it down. So I think in games that matter, I got to put the Warriors one. I got to put the Spurs two and I got to put the Rockets three still until I see otherwise in important games. Like this has been a really impressive start for the Rockets. So I'm not saying they're bad or whatever. Just we'll see in April and May. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with, I think, I think this is what's going to happen with the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard's going to come back. Maybe they have like a toss-up game like where it's easier. They get an easy win against a crappy team. I don't know. But there's going to be a game within the first couple where he's back where they're going to struggle, and the offense is going to look weird, and LaMarcus Aldridge will be uncomfortable, and then Popovich is going to just freak out and be like, what are you guys doing? You guys have been fine. We just added the best player, and now we're playing shit. Like, what's going on? And the Spurs are going to flip it around and then win like eight to 10 in a row so i think the spurs are going to go on an awesome run when Kawhi leonard comes back uh but there's gonna be there's gonna be a bump there's gonna be that one moment where spurs nation all the spurs fans are just like oh my god i knew we wanted to get rid of lamarcus aldridge we we got got the whole first couple months but then they're gonna figure <laughs> it out and Kawhi and lamarcus are gonna be deadly they're gonna be sick so i'm kind of gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna keep it exactly how it is though I'm going to keep it exactly how it is. I'm going to go Rockets, Warriors, Spurs, the same level that it is right now. Uh, and I told Duff this before you got on the call, Frank, when we were just talking about the pod. I knew I knew the Warriors were going to win last night. I was talking to my friend. He was uh, putting in a little bet. He goes, yo, Warriors minus four, what do you think? And I go, Draymond and Steph are out. He goes, oh, so you don't like them? I go, no. Actually, I like them more. They're going to come out with urgency. Draymond Green's out. Steph's out. That's a game where Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson look at themselves in the mirror and go, we got to be the guys today. And Kevin Durant got triple-double and dominated. And then those other guys, this is the great thing about the Warriors culture. Those other guys, the Quinn Cooks, the Iguodalas, the Livingstons, even the Kevon Looney-Jordan Bell tandem, like they're just throwing out, throwing out all these like basketball characters at you. Like you get Nick Young chucking threes, JaVale McGee running around dunking balls. Then Kevin Looney and, and Jordan Bell – if you, like, combine their efforts, they're like a poor man's Draymond, almost, right? Like, I don't know. They have. They just have so many looks they can throw at you. And, and they So just, many lineups. They can just it's, mess with people. So it's because it Steph order. Curry runs that Quinn Snyder-type offense where it, it just it doesn't matter who's there. It's, it is what it is, and the guys he has will run what he has. And it's a good system, and it works. It just works. So, basically, my main point is... Right now, the Timberwolves are fourth, even though they're playing as we speak. They'll probably still be fourth. They're already three games behind San Antonio. I think in two months, if we check back, 
the difference between the three seed and the four seed can be as much as seven, seven games. What is it? Three now? It's three right now. Who's behind them? It's right now. It's Houston, Golden State, San Antonio. San Antonio is three games above Minnesota, and then it's Portland, Denver, Utah, New Orleans, and OKC, all within like four games. I think they're all going to be within seven or eight games of San Antonio in the three spot. Yeah, I could see that because um, a lot of those teams I think are good, but just still have these weird lapses, and uh, the teams at the top don't. They just don't. I think and, I think another thing to note, uh, you just put the idea in my head, Frank, these other teams, like they beat each other up. When you, when you see the Timberwolves face off against the Trailblazers, it's a toss-up. Anybody could win. Same mm-hmm. with Denver, Utah, and New Orleans, and OKC, and Minnesota. All those teams are going to beat the crap out of each other. Cause like when yep. OKC, yeah, when, four through nine. Just the, the T-Wolves, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Pelicans, and the Thunder. Just It's, it's so mishmash. Like if, if you told me the Timberwolves dropped to like seven, I wouldn't be surprised. And then like Thunder finished like fourth. I would not be shocked. Yeah, Agreed. That's interesting. It's going to be really cool to watch the second tier of the Western Conference because we're so confident now in the top three. It seems the three of us are at least. Well, this is the NBA Outsiders. Pete, uh, I was about to say Bab. Pete, Frank, Duff, and not Bab uh, here with you today. Thank you for tuning in as always. This is, this is a sports blog New York podcast. We're on that feed, so don't forget to subscribe to that. Drop a couple stars. Leave a rating. And, uh, Frank, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. If somebody's, if somebody's listening, somebody out there, wherever they are, why should they subscribe to this podcast and why should they leave a rating and review? On the spot, go. All right, you should subscribe because it'll automatically download and you won't even have to worry about it. You'll just have to go and click play. It's super easy and they're easy to delete too, so it's not a big problem. Um, and why should you rate and review? Because then we would know what you guys like better and what you don't so we could do more of what you like and that'd be pretty dope for both of us i think you and me that's that's what we call an old win-win yeah man you and me pal let's both win on this one damn man you you made it sound so simple it's almost like it's a simple process or something yeah man probably takes less than a minute well you heard the man you heard frank leave a little rating and a review tell us what you think tell us what you want to hear more of that's really cool because you're going to learn now in this next segment that we're going to give the people what they want. Because we put out on Twitter earlier today, before we recorded this podcast, that we're recording tonight. So what do you guys want to hear about? What do you want to hear the NBA outsiders talk about? So we got a nice response from a, uh, a young man by the name of Luke. Luke May 25 on Twitter shouted us out and said, Do you think the Nets have a shot at the playoffs when D'Angelo Russell comes back? They're three games out of the eight seed right now. So before I let Duff and Frank sound off on this and what they think about D'Angelo Russell, the Nets, and the Eastern Conference playoff situation, let me break it down. From 4 to like 13, separated by four games right now, the Detroit Pistons are fourth, they're seven games out of the lead, and the Brooklyn Nets are 9, 10, 11, 12th, and they're 11 games out. So that's four and a half out of Detroit, three and a half out of a playoff spot. So, Frank, do the D'Angelo Russell-led Nets, if he comes back healthy, have any chance at making the playoffs? Because Luke May needs to know. Uh, 
I was high on the Nets before the season began, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to retract a little bit on that. Um, yeah, D'Angelo coming back is going to help them, no doubt, but they just don't have enough around him. I know that uh, Alan Crabb is showing some good signs. I know that Damari Carroll is playing better than a lot of people thought Damari Carroll could play at this point in his career. Um, but the big man play scares me. Timofey Mozgov is a mess. You got, I, I don't even know who else really plays. You got Trevor Booker down there. Um, it's kind of just a mess. So just the fact that you're not a complete team is what's hurting you here. But deloading will be fun to watch. Uh, you have a ton of guards that can play. Spencer Dinwiddie has been fun to watch this year, too. Um, it stinks. I mean, I, I thought the Nets had a chance that if they had their best season, they could probably do it. But, you know, injuries kind of messed them up at the start. And I just don't see them recovering now with that roster. Yeah, I don't. We were looking at the playoff picture, and of these eight teams, I really would kind of be surprised if any of them dropped out, honestly. Uh, the, the only one that could free fall is the Pacers. If Oladipo gets hurt, they could free fall. Like, everyone else has kind of been dealing with injuries, and the Bucks have picked it up since they made that trade. But really fortunate with health, and they always have their best player on the court every night, so it gives them a chance to win. And... The Knicks are ninth, and I don't think they're going to move from that spot, and I can't see the Nets even making it to the nine, the nine seed just because, like, you have Porzingis, and the Knicks actually have a culture this year, so they just have, like, a winning attitude about them, I'll say. Like, I'm not saying they're a great team or, or whatever, but they just have a totally different feel to them than the Nets. Like, no one expects anything of the Nets. No one cares about the Nets. You haven't heard anything about the Nets since D- D'Angelo got hurt. And Lynn. And win. So I just, well, I don't see them That's moving the other from, thing. I, I think they go down the, more, the more than they go thing, up. The one thing you have heard about the Nets since all of this is about Spencer Dinwiddie and how he's probably an asset that is going to be very valuable near the trade deadline for a team that's looking for a backup guard. He's on a very team friendly deal, so they could probably get something really nice in return for him. I love. No, you know, I if I was a Nets fan, I'd be in between on giving him up because the way he's playing right now, it's it looks good, man. It looks really good. How old is he? He's not old at all. That's all I know. <laughs> like I'd say, he's twenty five younger. I'd say twenty four. He's almost twenty five. So yeah, he's still pretty young. That that counts as not old at all, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd say primes in the NBA are like they start at like 26, 27. So I, I agree. Yeah, with that would be fun to see him get moved to a to a contender. He just does everything. He can, he kind of reminds me of like a quasi Sean Livingston almost. He just, I would I was just thinking that. I swear. Yeah, he's a super long defender, plays the point guard position, got decent handles, can pass. He's he can shoot it better than him, and yeah, and he he shoots the rock a little bit better. Are you but, are you yeah. having some mustache bias right now? Are they, do they both rock mustaches or something? I think they do. Yeah, they do. Well, but they also they just like, look. if you if you saw them both from behind and they had like a similar haircut, you'd have trouble pointing out like which one's which too. Yeah, I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I actually picked him up in fantasy because he like I had Jeremy Lin, but when the year started, he went down. I was like, God damn, I need to do something. 
Uh, so I picked him up, and I mean, he can get 20 on a given night, you know, five or six assists. He, he's, a, he's a nice little player. I love his look. He looks like he should be playing in the 80s, though. <laughs> I picked him up in fantasy, too, actually. It's been huge. Actually, huge assist numbers. <laughs> coolest looking player in the NBA might be on the Nets as well, Jarrett Allen, that big dude from Texas with the huge fro. Oh, great fro. Oh, my God. It's great. Uh, there's a cartoon show on Adult Swim, I think. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but they call him the character from that show because the dude's got an afro and he wears a headband, and I just love it. It's like Is my it from, favorite uh, thing right now. Legends of Chamberlain? Nah, nah. <laughs> All right, I didn't know. That's a show about basketball, so I wasn't sure. Um, but Luke Mayle, back to you, Luke May 25 on Twitter. Thank you for hitting us up. First off, that's awesome. So you are the example. People, if you're listening right now, hit us on Twitter. It's at NBA underscore Outsiders. Really easy to get to, at NBA underscore Outsiders. Hit us with questions at any time. If we're not recording an episode that day, then we're going to answer you on the spot and uh, you know answer your question, give, us our, give you our take. But if we're recording, we're going to make you wait. We do give the people what they want, but on our terms. So hopefully Luke May is listening. You may have not gotten the answer you wanted because I also don't think the Nets have a chance at the playoffs. But what I will say, they can spoil the Cleveland Cavaliers a little bit. Though I don't think they have a chance to enter even the ninth or 10th spot, I think you can look at this team at the end of the year, and they can be better than the Hawks and the Bulls, obviously. Better than Dallas, better than Sacramento, better than Memphis and Phoenix and the Lakers, and who knows what the hell's happening with the Clippers, maybe them too. You can at least have some pride and make this pick for the Cavs not be a top-five pick, and I think that's possible. And that'll be a little moral victory, right? Oh, for sure. Definitely. But this is definitely enough Nets talk. We need to move. Absolutely, Duff. Thank you for for doing it. We need for to me. we need to get away. <laughs> so the next Luke thing. May, no, that's your one. You get everyone gets one Nets question. That's it. No, no more. To, wait, each person gets a Nets question, or just one overall? One a month. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and then, well, I'm not saying we're going to use it. Well, Maybe one a month. That was it for December. <laughs> that counts for all of the beginning of the year and December. So, you know, actually a team that the Nets beat, they only have nine wins, but they beat one really good team, a team that's been absolutely on fire lately. That's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are on a 13-game win streak. They're just beating everybody in their path, good or bad, beating the teams they're supposed to beat, also beating the teams that are tough games like the Sixers and the Pistons and the Clippers before they got all hurt. So the Cavs are on a real streak right now and looking forward to their next couple games. They're in one of these situations like the Celtics were earlier in the year where they can go and look back at the end of December and be like, damn, we lost like one game there. Because right now they have the Pacers, the Sixers, two semi-tough to tough games. But then it's Hawks, Lakers, Jazz, Wizards, who, know if to, who knows if John Wall's back. Bucks are tough, but then Bulls. And then they go to Christmas. And Christmas is the Golden State Warriors, and we know that's going to be tough. The Cavaliers are on a crazy streak. We all, not we all, people were worrying. They were actually worried on this podcast. I was, I was... Definitely worried. Not about the regular season, though. I was just worried about the playoffs. I just want to go on record. All right, so my question is, though. Hand up, though. Are all their haters gone? Do, do they have no more room for haters? Have they just said, don't worry about this, guys. We're fine, and LeBron James is the best player ever? Yeah, pretty much. I just... He's just dominating. The whole team is dumb. Like, I don't... I just... They haven't had like a particularly difficult stretch over this. I'm actually only looking at it now for the first time. They played the Pistons once and the Sixers once. Those are the toughest games they played. Um, <clears throat> but 
yeah, they're they're fine. They're gonna be just fine. <laughs> they're gonna finish number two. It'll be fine. <laughs> There's like nothing else to say, right? No, no. It is like I feel like an idiot for even slightly going against LeBron James. So yeah, I just want to you know. Not pat myself on the back. I know there's a lot of people out there like me, but I was never worried. It's LeBron James. Like, let's be real. The guy's been dominating the East for the past seven years, uh, eight years. Sorry. Um, why would it change? Why would it change? Um, but besides that, I think this could be like maybe another little NBA outsiders deal. But I think this is the pettiest win streak of NBA history. Like, LeBron is solely pushing his team to these wins because he wants to have a longer win streak than Kyrie. He doesn't want to see Kyrie have a more successful season than him. So I'm going to actually have to disagree with Duff. I think the Cavs at some point will overtake the Celtics out of LeBron's sheer pettiness. Wow. I love that, Frank. That's two quality outsider theories already today. I mean, if we're talking about petty, and that's what the outsiders love, we love the game. We, we love all of it, but we also love the pettiness, right? We love the outside storylines. That's why we're the NBA outsiders. That would be hilarious. I mean, LeBron has been uh, a new type of, like, I don't even I don't even know, like, a brazen? Is that, maybe that's the word? Like, he's been very open, very forward, very just, like, matter-of-fact about what he thinks of himself, his team, and their chances. Like, he just doesn't care right now. And he's showing it on the court, off the court, and he's just running through everybody. Yeah, like he's just doing what he's always done. He's what is he averaging this season? It's like thirty nine and nine, like all right, twenty eight, eight and a half, and eight. So it's just like a little better than his career average of twenty seven, seven and seven. Like he's just doing what he's always done, and he's at, even having a better season than usual as far as scoring is concerned. I mean, he's, he's having so, a, he's having one of his best three point shooting. Oh my god! Yeah, wait, forty percent from the three point line. Did you is, see they invited him to the three point contest? That would actually be fun to watch, but he should still go do the dunk contest before he does a three point contest. <laughs> they, he declined. He declined the three point contest already. He said, "He said no chance, no chance. I'm gonna do that when I have an extra day to spend with my family." LeBron Honestly, James. LeBron James might be People forget the, most that. Selfish, three. the most selfish NBA superstar of all time for never doing one. Like, he like, just did one. Seriously, just one. Like, Larry Bird did a three-point shootout. MJ dominated the dunk competition. He pretty much walked off. Like, he hit all those threes, and then was just like, yep, that's right, the belt's mine, I'm done. Like, that's all LeBron has to do, and people will never question it again. Yeah, those are just fun. They could turn into really fun moments. And then if you lose a three-point shootout, like against Steph Curry or Devin Booker, or any of those guys, like, is anyone really going to be like, oh, LeBron sucks? It's just going to be like, no. It's Steph Curry or Klay Thompson or one of those guys won, won the shootout. Like, he's not better than them, but it was still fun to see it. What if he lost to Jason Capono? <laughs> who has actually uh, then, won multiple three-point contests. That's a great drop right there, Frank. <laughs> then he would have had he would have had to also be Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, so it'd be worse for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I think. <laughs> so the NBA Hello. was like, "Yo, LeBron, come on, just just do one dunk contest," and he was like, <laughs> and then they were like, "Yo, LeBron, all right, I know you don't want to do a dunk contest. How about you know you're shooting your best three point season? You want to do a three point contest? <laughs> nah, yeah, dude, just have some fun." <laughs> 
He's not about it. He doesn't care. He he gives zero, so not cool. zero hex about that. And you know what? It's actually very indicative of like the LeBron lifestyle. Like I'm not gonna hate on him because he's like never been in trouble, you know, never been in the limelight for the wrong reason, but like I'm actually kinda gonna hate on him for that. Like, bro, step off the beaten path for once, do something a little crazy, get in a little bit of trouble, have a little bit of fun, LeBron. Yeah, like he's just a robot. Yeah, you know, like I was actually just going to say game. that. There might be two NBA robots. LeBron's 1.0 and Kawhi's two. Dude, he's got, like, social media managers and, public, like, specific yeah, people that's for, what like, you TV, think. radio, and whatever. That's what they, you they think. Just, he, he has his image. Stuff. Dude, he has just his image of himself that he only portrays to the outside world, and it's crazy. I don't even know. Dude, what is he like as a real person? It's crazy. I feel like we, we have no idea. And Probably we'll, we'll never, never will know. either. We'll never, never know unless he starts doing uh, TNT like, like Shaq and Chuck, you know, later on in the career. Who, who would that be? I who, still think then he wouldn't, he wouldn't be any fun. Nah, he'd be zero nah, fun actually. <laughs> he's not fun. He is so not cool. He is not cool. Yeah, even his Sprite commercials, like he won't even tell you to drink a Sprite. <laughs> He'll just ask you if you want one. I like th- the coolest thing the he ever did was that villain commercial when he went to Miami. You remember that? I mean, like, that's the baddest thing he's ever done. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's it. And it was a commercial to sell shoes. And, like, then he won a championship, and everybody's like, all right, you know what? That was all right. We're all right with that. So it doesn't even count anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah he's not, He's not like, the, the bad guy anymore. No, not. I mean, Durant's move is equally as, like, appalling and... There's actually like it's not as bad. I think I still think LeBron's was worse. I'd say, I mean the only thing that's different is he didn't do it on national television. To me, what makes it worse is he went to like a direct rival that they just lost to in the playoffs, and like there's still NBA tension about it. Like there was an NBA tension about LeBron going there. It's just like Cleveland versus oh, yeah, Cleveland was so terrible. Yeah, and like this one, there's actual beef. Like the last time they played, Westbrook and Durant got head to head. Like. It's been dope. It's been dope is what I'm trying to say. So LeBron, LeBron's like little quasi moves like been swept under the rug. Well, I think that's enough of that too, right? Come on. We've had that conversation like a thousand times before. It's still fun. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, like them going head to head like that, like, oh, I loved it. I really did. And I love the reactions afterward. Russ was like, nah, fuck him still. And Durant was like laughing and clapping about it. This is exactly what I expect to happen. And I loved it when it happened. Like, I, I couldn't have been happier. And every time that the Cavs play the Warriors, like we said on Christmas, every time the Thunder play the Warriors, I mean, it's just must watch. And now even throw the Rockets and Spurs in there. And now when the Celtics play any of those teams, it's just must, must watch television for sports fans. An absolute must for NBA fans in general. I mean, that's just a lot of teams with a lot of star power. And then the cool thing about all these other teams, we talked about a ton of them today, and we talked about them through the MVP debate thing. There's so many teams that on any given night, they can have the best player on the court against anybody. I mean, you throw out the Embiid-Simmons combo, Boogie Cousins, Kristaps Porzingis, I mean, Dame Lillard, like all these guys can be the best player on the court any given night, and that's what makes it fun. And we have a lot of good basketball coming up, but we have one more segment to get to. It's been about an hour so far in this podcast. So this is our last segment of the day, and it's actually one of our favorite games to play. It's a game that we like to call, Whose Teams Is This? 
and it's the Detroit Pistons edition because the Detroit Pistons are 14 and 10. They are a real playoff team in the East, it seems. But I have a question for you guys. Duff, Detroit Pistons, whose teams is this? Uh, it's Andre Drummond's team. I like he was he was the only he's like the only key guy that was drafted there. And he seems like he's the focal point of all the attention that they get. Like Tobias Harris, he's quietly leading the team in points. He's got 19 points a game, and he's drilling threes this year, I know. Um, Avery Bradley, one of the best perimeter defenders in the game, averaging more points than Andre Drummond. Uh, Reggie Jackson, also averaging more points. But, like, whenever you hear about the Pistons, is always Andre Drummond. Like, whether it's about his free throw shooting or can he stay on the court or how many rebounds he gets and he's got beef with the you know with the opposing centers Joel Embiid so like it, it seems like their narrative is always around Andre Drummond to, and he was he's the only player on the team who has ever made an all NBA team so he's he is his teams it's got to be his teams and he's the most efficient player yeah i'd have to agree it's it's Drummond's teams because he's dropping assists now too yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what I said earlier. Uh, NBA fans in general just kind of seem to be like enamored by big guys who can play. It's it's always fun to watch a good big man because they either dunk a lot or are just like way stronger than people and do stuff that can't be stopped, and it's like super fun to watch. So he's like their solid rock, and you know, like Duff said, uh, Tobias Harris shooting out of his mind and. I guess that's kind of why I've been throwing a lot of hate towards Aaron Gordon because my man Tobias Harris is pretty much, in my opinion, like the same player, a little bit older, does a lot of the same things, maybe not as explosive as an athlete, but he was shooting out of his mind to begin the season as well, and no one talked about it, and it was kind of similarly as fluky. And, you know, I guess both of them are leveling out a little bit now, and Tobias seems to be a little bit better off, and... It's good, but he's still, to me, a subsidiary player to De- uh, to Andre, and the whole city knows it. Their coach knows it, and the team knows it too. Like that's their guy. Well, I, it's it's hard to argue with that, but I've been I've been an Andre Drummond hater in the past, and he's really taken that step to prove me wrong in the things I criticized him for. But I'm I'm gonna make this take, and I'm gonna see what you guys think on it. So, I'm going to say right now that the Detroit Pistons are Avery Bradley's team. And I know he's not from the Pistons organization. He's the new guy. He isn't a superstar. But he is what they may have needed all along. And last year when they were struggling mightily, Avery Bradley is what Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Stanley Johnson just couldn't be. They couldn't be as consistent defensively as him. They couldn't be as consistent a scorer as Avery Bradley. And they realistically, they don't do anything better than him other than being younger at this point. So I look at the Pistons, and I try to see the differences in success. Avery Bradley is the perfect player to fit in between Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. He doesn't need the ball. He's going to guard the best guard on the opposing team, leaving Reggie Jackson, you know, uh, free to guard the worst player, have more energy for offense. And having a strong perimeter defend- defender helps Andre Drummond out. So I'm going to, just to be a little contrarian, and because I 
you know, I'm just I'm waiting for a little more offensively from Drummond. I'm waiting for more. There's a there's a difference between like if it's your team and if you <clears throat> like make the team go, like if you make them work because you you fit that one piece that they needed, like uh, Andre like, Roberson. Yeah, not. I mean, Avery Bradley's way better than Andre Roberson. I'm just, uh, but that that's. I, Not I th- at all. I think we're the, talking about though. We're talking about the role they play. I think the comparison is the it's for, he, Avery Bradley's from the Draymond Green ilk. Like he will do all the things that you need to be done that don't get accomplished from from the big guns. And I guess, yeah. l- like you said, Duff, it, it's a matter of semantics. He's like a glue guy. Yeah, it's a matter of semantics. Like so, maybe Avery Bradley is the heart of the team, but it's Drummond's team. Uh, so I was being a little contrarian. I think it is Drummond's team probably as well. One thing I love is that they're getting him involved. I actually heard on the Ringer NBA show, Duff, I know you listened to the most recent episode as well, Chris mm-hmm. Vernon talked about get how important it is to get big men involved. And they were talking about it with Carl Anthony Towns, and they don't get him enough touches sometimes. They're getting Drummond involved offensively. And when a big man is involved offensively, whether he's getting shots or not, He's just touching the ball, moving it, getting passes. Like you said, he's averaging four assists right now. That's awesome for a center. They're getting yeah. Involved. They used to say the same thing about Charles Oakley on the Knicks. Just right. let him touch it, and or him and Anthony Mason. Just let him touch it, and then he'll just set screens and grab rebounds all night. Just let like you know, dribble handoff anything. Now they're now they're touching the ball. Now they feel a part of the team. They're part of the offense. They're part of the flow. They're ten times more likely to bust their ass for a rebound. Ten times more likely to sprint down the floor on defense, and getting him involved maybe not even getting him the shots but getting him touches i think it's done wonders so i I pretty much agree with you guys that it's drummond's team i wanted to play a little devil's advocate and i I think avery bradley deserves the shout out for sure a lot of a lot of the stat nerds out there like you pete don't give avery bradley credit because his plus minuses or his net ratings are bad and it's always because he's guarding the best defender and the best offensive player on every team yeah he was also held off of one of the nba all defensive teams because Devin Booker dropped 73 on the Celtics and he didn't even play that night. Like, yeah, that was bullshit. Uh, you know what? We're not going to let you in. Cause this night you didn't play. You guys got freaking lit up. If anything, that should be like, <laughs> that should be even more of a, yeah, like, it should be more a of vote flat. for him. Yeah. yeah I agree. <laughs> Guy really you dropped the ball. Huge on him. Nerd. That's <laughs> every time I drop some nerd shit. You are a huge nerd. <laughs> because you know what? You know what's so weird is that that real plus minus statistic that a lot of people love nowadays. Uh, I definitely have bought into a lot of it as well. I try to take it for what it's worth, but it's tough sometimes. Avery Bradley like checked out to be a negative on 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 defense, and it just doesn't make any sense. Everyone, you know, sees him with the eye test play tough defense. It was really just a matter of fact that he was always guarding the best player. He guards either two guards or point guards, the most dynamic offensive players. But he's proven time and time again that his worth is ridiculous. And, I, I, I mean, without him, basically switch him and, Mar- and Marcus Morris with the Pistons. That's what happened for them. And, I mean, it's awesome for the Pistons. They look way But, yeah, better. that was a rare trade where, like, both teams won. Both teams got what they needed. And, like, especially since the Celtics, they, they were going to be missing some perimeter defending, but Tatum's defense somehow just, like, miraculously took an insane jump. Not even from last year to this year, but from like summer league to to December. It's crazy. Absolutely, super long, super freaking long. 
I know. I think I think the system has a lot to do with it, also, and just having veteran guys out there telling you where to go and where to stand and what to do. Also, wait. I guess a uh, shout out Stan Van Gundy. Right? Yeah, he's he should Hell definitely get some yeah. coach of the year talks. Been my guy, yo. I've been having probably like back for a long time. Probably like third, I would say. Shout out Stan Van Gundy and get the hell get Tibbs the hell out of here. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Fire Tibbs, please for love of God. They're winning. They're gonna win tonight. They're they're yeah. plus eight with twenty one seconds to go. But just I can't stand him. He just you he, know he's really so far go? behind the curve. He only had eight. Only eight guys played tonight. Jimmy Butler played forty two minutes. Carl Anthony Towns played thirty eight minutes. Oh my God. I mean, you know who's got to go too? Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan's got to go. Hey, coming around. Billy Donovan's got to go, and my man's Fizz got to take over the Thunder. Yo, that'd be lit. That'd be fun. That actually might be a good fit. That would be a better fit. All right, I'm all in. I'm all in on Fizzdale to the Thunder. Let's get it going. All right, so uh, it's no secret. I'm like a. I'm. I'm not like Duff. I'm not gonna say I'm a Thunder fan. Because my fandom lays the Knicks. I'm a true, you know. That's, that's your Western Conference team. No, nah, I'm a faithful fan. I like other teams because I like players on them. But I'm not going to say I'm a fan because I'm a loyal person. I'm not a little cop-out boy. Not a snake. Like tough. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure to being a Knicks scenario, fan has been so rewarding for you. <laughs> in my dreams, the Thunder are coached by Quinn Snyder. And they are a championship caliber team. For some reason, I'm not even kidding. I actually dream that. That's and uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys. That's such a weird dream, but I love it. But I don't. I also don't want Quinn Snyder to leave Utah. Because Utah, dominant, even without Gobert, they went on a six-game win streak or something like that. Donovan Mitchell. actually. I know. Been- you, know what it, you know what it is, I think? I mean, first of all, I watch a lot of basketball. Second of all, I just think about like how I hate Billy Donovan's like system and how it's run, and like I just look at the Jazz and they're the epitome of like a good system, and he looks like a guy who takes no shit. So it just looked like it fit to me, I guess. And my dreams took me there, man. They were good with him too. They were. I love it. I really do. All right. So what I want to do because we're gonna end up. We just finished up our last segment. Just uh, you know. Well, let's have a little fun here because I actually saw on Twitter or Google or whatever the hell it was, I forget, um, that yesterday or today for us because we're recording last night for people listening today on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> that was confusing. But yesterday was National Microwave Day, which does not deserve a day. Uh, microwaves are a great technology, right? I use them all the time, but weird national day. Besides the point. For sure. Let's flip that into an NBA thing. So real quick for the last like uh, 30 seconds or something. Let's shout out some of the best microwaves in the NBA, some of the best players who just get so hot so quick, 10 points before you blink an eye. Shout out to the NBA microwaves. I'll start it off with a guy who played for the Warriors right now, Nick Young, Swaggy P. My Mm -hmm. man still lights up the buckets from three. Dude, love Swaggy P. I got to go with my son, Devin Booker. I don't even know if he's considered – he's still a microwave dude at this point. He – I mean, he dropped 73. He could explode for anything at any time. And, uh, but I got to shout out my favorite microwave moment. Trace McGrady, one of the all-time great microwaves in the NBA. When he stole the game from the Spurs in like the last 40 seconds of the game, he scored eight points by himself to win. That was the greatest microwave moment. Yeah, it was electric. Um, 
My microwave is going to be my man, Willie B. Buckets hey. for the Nuggets, Will Barton. Um, does a little bit of everything and could possibly be the sixth man of the year. Just gets buckets. Absolute bucket getter. Shout Fun out, to watch. Shout out J.R. Smith. Shout out uh, Lou Williams. All right, let's do it. Let's it was thir- It was 13 points in 35 seconds. T-Mac, shout out. Wait, let's rotate. You just shouted out Lou Williams. Frank, Duff, shout out somebody. Shit. Uh, shout out Clay Thompson. 60 points in 29 minutes. Lit. And he holds the record for most points in a single quarter. Lit. Shout out local guy. Doug McBucket's microwave this season. <laughs> shout out Eric Gordon. Ooh. Uh, shout out J.R. Smith. One of the OG microwaves. I still think he's got it in him. Said that it's already. over. Uh, lost. Duff loses, guys. Yeah, you're, you're out. I gotta, I gotta get one New Jersey guy in there. I already said Jr. Smith, so you're out. Oh shit! Wait, I wasn't paying attention. I was looking up the. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm watching the T Mac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching those 35 seconds right. Talked now. about it. Gotta be about it. Uh, shout out old head Jamal Crawford. Ooh. Dude, yes. So, to talk about the true definition of a microwave. Shout him, out him, Lou Williams, and like Jr. Smith are the epitome of microwaves to me. All already mentioned, but shout out. I'm just saying. Shout out, shout out the new microwave down in San Antonio, uh, Bryn Forbes. Oh, baby. His... Hell yeah, Bryn Forbes. N- new microwave in the league. This is the new edition. Strictly three-point shooter. From a- absolutely nowhere. Typical pop fashion. All right, well, my last one. Shout out to the young gun. Taking over a huge role for the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, rookie, microwave, getting buckets. Yo, we need this next pod. We'll talk about him more, but we need we. I feel like we have not mentioned him once, and which is weird because we talk about him every week. I feel like in our I, group I, chat, I and he just him. never makes it on here. I mention him as much. As he possible. he is such a crazy athlete, and he does these crazy things, and you just like holy shit. And then you look at the stat sheet, and you're like, oh. He's hit five threes too. That's crazy. He he's such a good rookie, man. If his shots going down, he can just explode. Yeah, it's crazy. He had forty one the other night. He had yep. like twenty seven against the Thunder. He had a really good night until they were like Roberson, stop that. <laughs> For real, actually, I tweeted from the I watched the whole game, and he was balling on them until they actually assigned someone to him. I actually tweeted that out from our account. If you're still listening and you don't follow us, that's just messed up. You listen to us for over an hour and ten minutes and you don't even follow us on Twitter. So go to NBA underscore Outsiders, hit us with the follow. And I, I thought that was a really nice compliment for them to put uh, Roberson on Donovan Mitchell. But, fellas, I think we did good. The NBA Outsiders are here. Did no bad, but P. Frank and Duff. Frank, you got any last words for the pod? Uh, shout out my man, Bab. I miss you, fam. That's, that's about it. Tough, what you got, bro? Um, Eagles, if they win the Super Bowl, uh, free Bud Light for everyone in Philadelphia. So, dilly dilly. The, giant, the Giants are already out of it. It's just the Jets are in the AFC, so it doesn't matter, and they suck. So, just root, root for the Eagles, if nothing else, for the beer. Wow, that's a fantastic point right there. I, and I picked the Eagles to win the division, so I'm all in the Carson Wentz wagon. I'm also on the uh, free beer wagon, so I'm with that. Shout out, Bab. We'll be, get you back next week. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. This has been the NBA Outsiders, a sports blog in New York podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For Frank and Duff, I'm Pete, and we're signing off.